Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. All things are held together by the Lord. So, Jesus Christ, He's supreme because He is deity. Jesus Christ is supreme because He is supreme over all of creation. All of creation responds to the greatness of God. We need to keep that in mind. Let's look at number three now. Jesus Christ is superior to the church. Jesus Christ is superior to the church. Well, this gets a little bit more personal because... For those of you that are very new into this, you might need to understand a little bit about the church. The church is not merely uh, Christianity loosely. The church is made up of all those people, wherever they are on planet Earth, who have placed their faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's the church. We call that the universal church. In a sense, it could be the invisible church because they don't... All the church in all the world doesn't meet in one place, so you don't see them. They're an invisible church. Sometimes I wonder as I'm flying these big jets and I'm way up in the sky, 30-some thousand feet, and I look and I think, you know, if this plane crashed, I wonder how many Christians are on board. And if I knew this plane was going to go down, what would I do? Would I write a note to Carol if I knew the plane was going down? Would I share the simple message of salvation to the person in front of me? Would I run to the exit road so I could, you know, be the first out the door? Now, you thought of that, too. I know you did. Or would I want to stand up as fast as I can and immediately tell everybody in that plane that they're going to go to heaven? But another question comes to my mind is, I wonder how many on this plane are going to go to heaven if this plane crashes. I have to believe there's a likelihood, statistically, that there are believers on this plane, but I don't know them wearing a badge. I don't care if they wear a cross or a Jesus shirt or whatever. It doesn't tell me they're a Christian. It's only if they've in their heart believed in Christ as their Savior that makes them a Christian. And that's an internal thing, not always an external thing that you wear on the outside. So I don't know. That's called the invisible church. Then you have what is known as the visible church. Now, the visible church is not necessarily the ones, that, again, that wear the Jesus junk. It's not going to be the ones that necessarily come into this building. I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but just because you're in the building doesn't make you a Christian. If you've trusted Christ as Savior and somehow you've testified, we could probably be reasonably certain that you're not a liar. You're telling us what you did, and it's true. You trusted Christ. On the authority of God's word, you're a Christian. We see you. You've joined the church here. That becomes a visible part of the church. You're a visible part of the church. I'm going somewhere with this. So when we say that he is supreme over the church, then who is he supreme over? Every person who knows Christ is their personal Savior. So let me ask you right now, with a raise of hands, how many of you have placed your faith alone in Christ to be your personal Savior? Would you raise your hand? Okay. I wanted to make this very personal because I could change this. I could say, Jesus Christ is superior over me. Can you say that? Jesus Christ is superior over me. Now, a lot of you will buy into the theology of that. I know he's superior. We know it in the Bible. I studied in my Sunday school class that he is superior. If he is Lord, in fact, is he also Lord of your life in your life? Are you allowing him as your supreme creator over your life to have influence? I'm speaking to Christians now. And that's where we're going to go here. Notice the verse. It says, and he, Christ, is the head of the body, the church, so you could say the body is the church. 
The body is Christ, and he is the head of the church as he is the head of the body. So they're kind of synonymous. Then it says, who is the beginning? Who's the beginning? Christ is the beginning. And then it says, the firstborn from the dead. Now, what does that mean? So why can Christ be superior to the church or superior to me? Number one, because he is the head of the church. He is the head of the church. A number of years ago, I, I gathered a group of men together who were really having their heart beating after God. These were men that wanted to be godly men, and they wanted to get away so they could develop some more of their godliness. So I took them to Alano County in the big hill country of a, kind of a, near Austin, Texas, for some of you that know a little bit about Texas. And I was able to find a rancher there that allowed us to use an old ranch. And there was nobody at the ranch. There was a few cattle that was out in the brush. But I wanted a place because these were men, men, and cowboy kind of things. So we went out to this ranch, and he loaned us his bunkhouse. And he says, now, we haven't used that in a while. We have the water shut off. And so when you get there, what you want to do is turn the water on underneath the house. There's a, there's a, a crank there to do that. And then there's a place for you to throw the switch. We have power going to the house, but you've got to turn on all the power and, and get it on there. So we had about a, I don't know, maybe a dozen, two dozen guys that went out there. And so we're, we arrived in our pickup trucks and all that, got all set up there. And different guys knew what we were to do, turn the water on, turn the lights on, different guys are, you know, like the guys will take care of stuff. Well, as I rounded the corner, I watched a guy crawling on all fours. He moved the grate, this little wooden grate. You've seen them on some of the houses here. They're, just, they're up on stilts and they have a little grate around it. He moved it aside. It was dark, almost pitch black. And he reached under there to turn the, the, the water off. And just as he was moving the grate, ready to reach, I said, don't. And he looked at me like, why? I said, turn a flashlight on. So he turned a flashlight on, and what was coiled up right there at the spigot was a rattlesnake. Now, I didn't know that. All I know is in Texas, you don't reach under a house at night, you know, because there's always a possibility of snakes. Now, most of you living on the island, it means nothing to you because we don't have poisonous snakes here, okay? But when you live in Texas, there's always the potential for a snake. So what did we do? Real roughing guys, okay? So we got to find some kind of a stick to get the snake out. You know, we're going to be a snake wrangler, you know, a rattlesnake wrangler. So we're whipping this thing out. Now, when you kill a snake, those of you that have been on the mainland, when you want to destroy a snake, what do you do when you want to get rid of that snake? What do you cut? You cut the head off. You know, you don't mash his tail. You don't mash the inside. Ladies, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't be saying I hope there's no kid. But you go for the head, you know, and you hope you have a shovel so you can, you know, and then you kind of watch it. Well, anyway, I'll leave that alone. All right. Because you know, the head's off. It's, it, at least it's, the, the body can't get to you, and the head can't get very fast to you, so it's over with. Now, I'm using this as illustration. When you remove the head, you have a dead body. If we remove Jesus Christ as the head of the church invisible, will be a dead church. If we remove the head of this local church, this church will eventually, over time, will probably shrivel up and die. Now, it doesn't mean we won't meet on Sunday. It won't mean, not necessarily mean we won't sing songs. It may not mean that we won't fix up buildings. But the power of God will be gone and we will be dead to the issues of Christ. Now, here's something else we can do. We could take that snake now and I could put a little rat's head on this thing. I can take that dead snake, head's gone, just the body, and stick a rat's head on that thing. What do I have now? I got a monster. But listen, there are a lot of monsters going on today in churches across America. Because now you don't have Christ at the head, you have the pastor that's at the head. You got the board that's at the head. Wealthy families that are pulling the trigger because they're buying stuff for the church because they want to control the church. You got bullies in the church that get into committees and start putting, you got, and so all of a sudden, you don't have Christ as a head. You do have a head, but it's not the head of Christ, and now you've got a monster in the making. And so 
For us who are Christians, the supremacy of Christ is he is supreme over the church, and that's us as a corporate body, but he's also supreme. He is my head. I move about and have my beam. What does head mean? A head means I have life. A head means that I can direct. A head means I can control. And since he's the head, that means I now have life through him. I now can submit to his direction, and he is control of my life. That's the beauty of Christ. So he is the head, people. Number two, because he is the founder of the church. It says, who is the beginning? So the church had its beginning with Christ. Now, I can talk about that he had the beginning way back before the actual church got birth, as we read about in the book of Acts. He was now orchestrating history to bring about the birth of the church. So he was the founder of the church before the church was, a found, was, before the church was founded. Did y'all catch that? Let me say it again. He was the founder of the church before the church got founded. How many of you men or women here started a business and it was already in your mind, you're already putting it all together before you were incorporated by the state of Hawaii? How many of you did that? Would you raise your hand? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, we've done that. Okay. And so that's what he was doing, orchestrating this before it became public. He is the founder. And then number three, because he was the first to rise from the dead and never to die again. It says the firstborn from the dead. Some of you are thinking, oh, no, 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 no. There's a guy in the Bible. Remember him? He's a real guy. His name was who? Everybody? Lazarus. Lazarus died, and Jesus brought him back to life again. That's true. He's the one that died, came back to life again. The difference between him and Jesus is that when Lazarus died and he was brought back to life again, he died again, all right? When Jesus died, which he willed himself to die, he willed himself to come back to life again, he never died again. He is our model for that we will never die again. We have eternal life in Christ. So, he is superior to the church. The very reason the church exists is because of him. The power by which the church has to live is from him. The means of our new life and new lifestyle is because of him. Christ is to give me direction, and he is to give me life. Now, pause. Are you letting Christ give you direction on the decision you have to make of where you're going to move, jobs you're going to have, school you're going to go to, people you're going to date, connectivity you're going to have with different people, how you're going to spend your money, what doctor you're going to see? Are you letting Christ direct your life? And he's going to do it through his inerrant word of God. And he says, I'm the head, and I'm going to communicate to your heart through my spirit as you use my word. And he says, I want to direct you. Now, for all of us that want to theologically say he is my supreme head and that he is my uh, founder of who I am, I have my being in him, you've got to let him direct us by prayer. That's the movement of God in our life. I'm so excited about that. We've got to let him direct us because he's the head. He's superior to the church. And finally, number four, Jesus Christ is superior to everything. I mean, my goodness, if he is deity and he's superior to creation and he's superior to the church, he's got to be superior to everything. So it says, so that in all things, and you might want to underline that, so in all things he may have the preeminence. For you young people, the word preeminence, you could write down next to it the phrase first place. He can have the first place. And some translations add in there, in everything. So he takes first place in everything. He is superior. He is supreme. So when you go to Taco Bell and you get yourself a supreme burrito, and you think of the word supreme, I want you to think of Jesus, not some burrito, okay? He is superior to everything. Why can Jesus Christ be supreme? Here's your answer. It is found actually in the passage itself. It says, for it pleased the Father 
To me, it seems like everything we've said today about he's in creation, he's done all this stuff, and the whole thing is not about us. It's to please the Father. So it pleased the Father. If it pleased the Father that he created these things, then I should be pleased with it. If it pleased the Father that Jesus Christ is supreme, then it should please me. And then it says that in him all the fullness should dwell. That means everything that about God is now in Christ. So all the fullness of God dwells in Christ, and that pleases the Father. But go on in the verse. It says, and by him he's reconciling all things to himself. That means he's bringing together two enemies, and then when he brings them together, he stops them from being an enemy. That's called reconciliation. Now look up here for a moment. That is so huge, the concept of reconciliation. I'm going to talk about that next week. You want to be here as I open up the package of biblical reconciliation. Let's go a little bit further. It goes on to say that he's pleased because all the fullness of God dwells in Christ. He reconciles people to him and creation, whether all things on earth or in in heaven. It says, having made peace through the blood of Christ. He's pleased also. Because he has made this eternal peace found in the blood of Christ. So when you look at Christ and you look at the passion of the Christ with the uh, Gibson movie, all right, and you see all of that, I want you to remember, you you that got on a DVD or those of you that saw it, go back to the, the memory in your mind. When you see this horrible Christ upon the cross, I want you to know, however they depicted it with how much fake blood and how much hard work it was for the actor to go through all of this makeup and then hanging on this cross, all that went through it, I don't care how much pain that you see visually up there, we will never be able to fully comprehend the total amount of suffering that Christ did. There's no human capacity. Every one of you will experience mentally the suffering through whatever your channel of thought is. I don't mean channel like New Age, but whatever kind of training you've had as a little kid to know what suffering is about, that's nothing compared to what he went through. But it wasn't his suffering that paid for our sins. It was his blood that was shed, and that blood that was shed from a perfect Jesus Christ who is God-man on the cross, and Jesus did this, and God looked upon this, and he says, I am pleased because of the blood of Jesus Christ, and he did that, and he did that so there would be peace. Follow me. There would be peace. If there's peace, that means he's reconciled you. If he's reconciled you, you became like Christ, and we need to surrender to that kind of Christ, that kind of Lord. That's what this is all about, and that's what we're going to talk a little bit about, more about next week. How do I make sense of all of this? So if you believe in the... How many, let me ask you. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ is supreme? Would you raise your hand? I don't mean he's a great God. I mean he is the supreme God. I don't want to put him up against somebody. He is the supreme God. He is all in all. How many of you believe that? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, let me share something with you. Recently, I've had a conversation with a young person. And this young person was on fire for God and he wanted to share the gospel. He had someone in his club, his class. I'm just telling you how it happened in this situation. And he said it was interesting, he says, because I'm a Christian and I'm not ashamed to be a Christian. And I don't mind telling everybody that I'm a Christian and I know my Bible. And I've given my life to try to, here's the phrase, convert people to Christianity. I want them to become Christians. That's the only way to get to heaven. It wasn't just some guy that went to his little group. He believed it. He read the material. He was fed the same stuff. He went to his classes like I went to my classes. He read his bookman like I read my Bible. We were together on this thing and we were, both of us, were talking about this stuff. And so this guy said, Pastor, how do you reach someone like that? And here was my answer. I said, first of all, I know what's going on in your mind. It's going on like this. He says, I said, it's like you're a vacuum cleaner salesman and you're trying to sell your vacuum cleaner to another vacuum cleaner salesman. He said, that's exactly right. How can I sell a mine when he already believes so much in his? I said, there's a big difference in this. Have you ever been thirsty? Yep. When you're thirsty and you drank water, how 
when did you stop drinking? He said, when I drank the water, I was full. Now, when you were full, did you have to keep on drinking? No. I said, that's the same thing. You now, the Bible says, you've drunk of Christ and you will never thirst again of salvation. You know you've got it. I want you to know right now that he has embraced his belief system because he has a God-shaped void inside of him. Someone came alongside of him, as they would do, convinced him in believing what we believe clearly is a lie. He believes that is true, but what's the difference between him and you is that he's still thirsty. And he's still going to drink of sand that Satan is going to put, for, put before him in whatever belief system he has. So I said, what you've got to do is be patient. You pray. You love this guy. Do not marginalize him. Do not write him off. Do not condemn him. Do not do anything that would hinder your testimony for Jesus Christ. Because I can tell you, he is still believing a lie and he's drinking sand and he still needs Christ. And someday, it's quite likely, he can wake up to that. And so I want you to know that because we believe in the supremacy of Christ, here are five, six differences it should make in our life. Number one, we should trust the supreme Christ to be our personal savior. Some of you have been wrestling with the supremacy of Christ for so long and you still want to have more facts and figures and pretty soon you're going to have um, paralysis by analysis and you'll never embrace Christ and you're going to be like some of the Bible people that Jesus spoke about in the Bible who are ever coming after Christ but never came to the knowledge of the truth. You're going to be like the person who keeps asking more questions but never trusts Christ and when you die, you're going to die a horrible death in Christ. You might say, Stan, how could you say this to these people? I love him so much, you're on the track, the train is coming, and I don't know how soon that train's going to hit you. But you've got to get off that track. It's the wrong track. You've got to trust Christ. And the supremacy of Christ is it. Number two, you need to unite with the local faith family of the supreme Christ. Now, we do know that we have a universal faith family, but now there's a local one that you need to be a part of for encouragement. And you need to unite with that person. Some of you that are kind of floating around and haven't yet joined yet, I know that joining is not a huge thing, but there is a time when you're saying, you know what, I'm willing to publicly let people know that this is my church. You might say, well, I give, I serve, and I come. Isn't that enough? Yeah, a lot of people can do that, but there's something special. Here's a testimony that I can give you of two people that have been in this church just since I've been here. They have been on the outside of membership, and they've been coming for a long time, and they've been allowed to serve in various areas. But once they've stepped over the line that says, I'm ready to go to a class and learn how to become a member, and they became a member, their testimony was this. I never knew how that something happened inside of me that could make me feel so much like I, here's a phrase, belong. Serving, giving, attending never gave me this unique experience of belongingness. I always felt like I'm doing, 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 hoping that I might be part of the group. But once I was here and I became a member, I now felt like I belong. And there's a time for you to do that. And that's coming up very soon. And I invite you to at least go through the class. So if you do belong, you know what you're belonging to. All right, number three. If you believe in the supremacy of Christ, you need to grow in knowledge and obedience to Christ. It's not enough to have a head knowledge. It's not enough to sit under great Bible teaching in your Sunday school classes unless that's changing your life. So you have to personally ask yourself, are you growing in the knowledge but also in the obedience? Some of you are obeying the Lord but you only obey him to this much truth that you've been given. And and I'm going to tell you that there's a whole lot more that you need to know. There's a whole lot more you need to obey. And so it's important for you to know all of that, okay? And it's really, really crucial. Some of you, um, well, that's enough said. Number four, serve others on the behalf of the supreme Christ. 
We need to serve others on the behalf of the Supreme Christ. You know, we know that Christ says, I love you. And he says, I'm also going to meet your needs. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. So you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. So he says, I'm going to help you. You can boldly say, I'll be your helper. But now how he helps us often is by using other believers in the body of Christ to come alongside you. And so what we now are saying is, okay, we know that Christ says he'll never leave people in our faith family here. And so how he does that is through me. And so, Lord, I want you to fill me with your spirit. Give me wisdom and how to touch a life right here. And I'm going to serve this faith family. What can I do to lighten the load? I believe in the supremacy of Christ. That supremacy is going to touch other people through me as I lay myself out as a servant to others. Number five. Communicate to non-Christians the story of salvation. If I really believe he is supreme and he's the only way to heaven, then how can I ever allow someone to continue believing a lie that's going to send them to hell? How can I ever allow someone to continue worshiping whatever it might be that is not Jesus Christ? It's almost like I am permitting them to not worship Christ, and yet I'm a Christian. How can I not do that? And so I have to communicate to non-Christians the pure, beautiful story of salvation that the Supreme Christ wants to save anybody from the uttermost to the guttermost. And number six, if I believe in the supremacy of Christ, I'm going to exalt Christ. I'm not going to get involved in worship wars over what music is better and right and wrong and I don't like this. It does, whatever has breath is going to praise the Lord. However they do it in their heart, if they're worshiping Him authentically, the authentic Savior from a pure heart, we celebrate with that. Because it's Christ that we're worshiping, not even our music. We're worshiping Christ. It's all about Him. He is the supreme Christ. I want to bring this to a close by giving us a moment of silence right now. As we come together as a loving faith family, and that we worship a supreme Christ, that even in our rightness, we want to love each other and care for them because He is supreme. So would you just take a moment right now And thank God that He is in control of everything you can control and that He is supreme. Will you now say to Him, Lord, I look to You as my Creator, as my Lord, and as my personal Savior. For those of you who are our guests right here, do not allow the imperfections of your speaker in any way to cloud the supremacy of Christ. Yet at the same time, I firmly believe in what the Word of God says, that Jesus Christ is Lord and He is God, and that God did send His only Son to pay for your sin on the cross of Calvary when He shed His blood and rose again from the dead. And this same great supreme God will look upon fallen man and He says, I still want you to live with me. I want you to be able to glorify me in spirit and truth. I want you to be my child and I want to give to you eternal life. In fact, I want to give you a new life. But you now must believe that I am supreme and now trust me as your personal Savior. Now, my friend, you can't make a mistake. We're not talking about church membership now. We're not talking about giving money to the church. We are talking about simply placing your faith alone in Jesus Christ. Headwise, you believe he is supreme. In a sense, if I could say this term, in in your heart, in the full being of who you are, You are now putting your confidence in Christ to forgive you of that sin and to give you eternal life. Would you do that with every head bowed and every eye closed? I want this to be a private moment. If you're doing that with every head bowed and every eye closed and you're placing your faith in Christ, I'd like to pray for you. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Raising your hand won't save you, I know. Me praying for you, of course, won't. Coming in aisle or standing up or filling out a card won't. 
but trusting Christ will. But I want to know if you're trusting Christ in here today. I, I want to know if you're becoming a part of God's forever family and that together you and I are worshiping a supreme Christ because you placed your faith alone in Christ. Is there anyone in here that today said, Lord, I'm a sinner, but the best in a how, I'm going to heaven, not by my works, but by receiving your forgiveness when I trusted in you. Is there anyone? All right. Christians, now is our opportunity to really worship him. Notice how even the almighty God ceased the rain, ceased the cars for a moment, and it's real quiet. Let the spirit of God speak to your heart. Our gracious heavenly father, I thank you that you have revealed yourself so very carefully and clearly through your creation. And so we worship you, the creator of your creation. We thank you that you've revealed yourself through the inerrant word of God so everywhere we go, we can carry it with us, hear it, or better yet, read it, study it, and memorize it. We thank you, that you, thank you, Father, that you've revealed yourself through your spirit so that, Father, that you take your spirit and you teach us about you through your word and, oh, how good you are, Lord. Now, Father, we want to respond to your supremacy by saying we die to ourselves and we're now alive to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.